Well, when pastor goes away, he gets a guest speaker, uh, and that's me. Uh, and I'm excited uh, to have the opportunity to share the Word with you. Uh, I pray that you would uh, just pray for me as I share it. Um, I just want to be an encouragement. I want to be a blessing. I want to challenge you. I want to do all of those things. Um, keep it short. Again, my Sunday, school teacher, my Sunday school class gave me some advice. Keep it short. Keep it sweet. And there's something to be said for that. So I just, you know, I just want to encourage you with this word. Um, today, I'd like to share a message on the subject of labor or laboring. Uh, and I'm going to discuss uh, four different types of laboring. And hopefully, I'm going to show that with what the Word of God has to say about these different aspects of work or laboring for the Lord, or in some cases, not for the Lord. Um, so to help me with that, I have a, a guest, because, uh, you know, I figured one guest speaker, why not? Let's have two guest speakers. Uh, and my, guest is, my guest's name is uh, Mr. Clay Pot. So here he is. Okay, this is Mr. Clay Pot. Everyone's thinking that doesn't look like a pot. So let me see if I can get him out of here. He's kind of shy. Hold on one second. This is Mr. Pot, um, like I said, Clay, and uh, so everyone want to say hello to Mr. Pot? Hello, okay, so uh, he's going to say hello back. Hold on a second. Can you hear him? No, I, I can hear something, I really I can. You know what, everyone have an iPhone? How many people have an iPhone? cell phone check. Everyone have their iPhones off while they're, while they're waving them in the air? Okay, so uh, while I was working on this sermon, I went on uh, iTunes, and I found this app that can actually listen to Clay, and then it can play it back to you. So uh, we're going to see if, if I get to this app here. I hope this works. It worked yesterday when, when, I, when I got it, but uh, it was free, and you know, sometimes those free apps, they, you know, they, don't, they don't always work. But uh, we're going to give this a shot. We're going to see if, uh, okay, everyone has to listen here because I'll put it really close. So we can see. Well, hello there. Hi, my name is Mr. Pot, but you can call me Clay. What's that? Aye, I know I don't look like a pot, but I think I will one day. That's what my plan is anyway. You'll just have to see. All right, you guys take care. pretty amazing. So, okay, so he can talk with the help of the uh with the help of that app. And he had a funny accent. I don't know, anyone recognize that accent? I, yeah, I, I, it's weird, but uh I don't know where it came from. But anyway, you think it's Scottish? I don't know. It was trying to be Scottish, but I I don't know how well it came off actually. So, anyway, that's Mr. Pot. You've met him. He's met you. Um so let's just leave him down there for now. And I'm going to talk about four different areas of labor. So the first one is 
uh, laboring in vain. Can everyone read this? Okay, everyone. So this is laboring in vain. The second one is laboring in vain. Everyone see this? Laboring in vain, okay. The third one is laboring in vain itty, okay, vain itty. And the fourth one is laboring in vain, okay? So you see a pattern here? Okay, so we're going to be talking about laboring in vain, and I know I took some liberties uh, with the English language, but uh, bear with me. Hopefully, it'll make sense in the end. So uh, going back to number one, laboring in vain. Have you remember how to spell that one? Where is it? This is the one we're probably most familiar with, right? Laboring in vain. So let's turn to the book of Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 through 27, and we're going to see what I mean when I talk about laboring in vain, and, and many of you have probably already figured this one out. You know, it's when we try to do things on our own. It's why when we try to do things, we're relying on our own strengths and our own abilities. Uh, and, and, you know, you've heard this, this type of message before about this type of laboring in vain. And we see in the book of Matthew chapter 7, uh, verses 24 through 27, uh, an example of what happens, in this case, with a foolish man who tries to labor in vain. He tries to build his house on the sand instead of following what God would have him do. So, uh, read with me in verse, uh, chapter 7, verses 24 through 27. It says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who builds his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who builds his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. So we see an example here of someone laboring in vain, taking his own plan, taking his own efforts, doing his own thing, and, and the result is failure. Think about Psalm 127. I'm running out of room here. Psalm 127 verse 1 says, Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watch in vain. If the Lord is not with you, if the Lord, or if you're not with the Lord, if you're not walking with Him, if you're not working in a way that He is approving of, your efforts are going to be futile. Your efforts are going to be in vain. Maybe it's not immediate. You know, the man who built the house on the sand, he built the house, right? It was successful. He probably had time for a housewarming party, and, you know, he probably had some furniture brought in. And he was feeling pretty good about this house that he built. So, you know, the failure doesn't always happen right away. You know, you can keep on going, and you're doing your own thing, and everything's going well, and you're like, okay, I got this. I, I, I don't need the Lord. I got this figured out. Well, then the rain started to come. And maybe it wasn't too bad at first. Maybe like his, his roof was leaking a little bit. And he's like, oh, you know what, I'm, I'm really not a roofer, but, I, you know, I think I can patch that. And he patches it, and, you know, everything's okay for another couple of days. The rain keeps coming, but it's, it's not so bad. And then, you know, the rain starts to come a little bit heavier, and maybe the waters start to rise, and he suddenly realizes, man, that water's coming close, and, and the sand's starting to erode away. And, you know, now you start to see the failure, right? So it doesn't always happen right away. And thinking about the man that built the house on the rock, 
Things weren't perfect for him, right? He, the storm still came, the rain still came, but the house stood firm. Amen? So, you know, when we labor in vain, when we try to do things on our own strength, uh, ultimately we, we will fail. So um, at this point, we're going to go over and talk to Clay again because he probably has plans for his life. I would if I looked like that. Uh, just a blob. I know you can't see him. I'll move him up near the top here. So, you know, there he is. Uh, he, he, he's really... He needs to do some, th- some, some things about himself, you know, work on his appearance. So let's see, Mr. Claypot, what it is that you have planned. Okay, let's get my app again. Let's see how this goes. What's that? What were my plans? Well, you think, I, I think I was going to make myself into a pot. You know, I figured if I try real hard, like, I should be able to do it. So... All right, let's give it a go. All right, I'm, here I, I I'm, I'm trying, I'm trying. It's hard, it's hard. What, I'm, how do I look? Do I, have I changed? Do I look good? Do, do I even have a good side? Oh, nothing's chiffin', nothing's changed. Forget it, I just give up. Love that accent. Amen. <laughs> so, he fails, right? I mean, let's face it. There's nothing that he can do as a lump of clay to turn himself into a pot. But, you know, he feels like he should. He feels like he can. That's his name, Mr. Clay Pot. So, he fails, right? Um, and the interesting thing also is God is like a, he's a perfect gentleman, right? He will step aside and he'll say, go ahead. You know, if those are your plans, go ahead and try. All right, partly because he wants us to realize that, that we need him, right? He wants us to realize that we can't succeed on our own. So, you know, just like Mr. Clay Pot there, you know, I, I, let him, I let him try. I mean, and he, you know, he tried hard. You heard him. He was, you know, grunting and groaning, but in the end he gave up. He failed. So that's laboring in vain. Next, we're going to talk about laboring in vain. This type of vein. Does anyone know what this type of vein is? Anybody? Huh? A weather vein. Excellent. Bob goes to the top of the class. So, what does that mean to labor in vain? Okay. It means when we labor against God. Okay? Like a weather vein that maybe would try to turn against the direction that the wind is blowing, not completely 180 degrees because it can do that. But if it's trying to go 90 degrees to the way the wind's blowing, it's not possible, right? The wind will keep on blowing it back, but it's going to keep on, if it wants to, if it's stupid enough, it's going to keep trying to labor against God. So again, let's look at a couple of examples in Scripture of people who labored against God. We're going to turn to the book of Numbers, Numbers chapter 22. And this is a story of Balaam, the prophet, who tried to ride his donkey down a path that was blocked by the Lord. So I believe everyone is probably familiar with this story. As I was reading it, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting because, you know, some people who are against the Israelites are asking, they ask Balaam to come and, and, and pour out curses against the Israelites, and Balaam seeks God, and God says, you can't do that, they're my people, so he refuses and then they, they come again and they ask him, and he goes back and he talks to God, and God says, okay. Which, okay. So this is a little confusing, but this is the way God works, right? He works in mysterious ways. 
So he says, go ahead. And then so Balaam gets on his donkey, and he starts to ride off to, to, to where the Israelites are, and then suddenly some strange things start happening. So first of all, it's strange because God tells him to go, and then in verse 22, it says, God was very angry when he went, and the angel of the Lord stood in the road to oppose him. Balaam was riding on his donkey, and his two servants were with him. When the donkey saw the angel of the Lord standing in the road with a drawn sword in his hand, it turned off the road into a field, and Balaam beat it to get it back on the road. Then the angel of the Lord stood in a narrow path through the vineyards with walls on both sides. When the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, it pressed close to the wall, crushing Balaam's foot against it, so he beat the donkey again. Then the angel of the Lord moved on ahead and stood in a narrow place where there was no room to turn, either to the right or to the left. When the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, it lay down under Balaam, and he was angry and beat it with his staff. Then the Lord opened the donkey's mouth, and it said to Balaam, What have I done to you to make you beat me these three times? Balaam answered the donkey, You have made a fool of me. If only I had a sword in my hand, I would kill you right now. The donkey said to Balaam, Am I not your own donkey, which you have always ridden to this day? Have I been in the habit of doing this to you? No, he said. Then the Lord opened Balaam's eyes, and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the road with his sword drawn. So he bowed low, and he fell face down. So here we see the example of Balaam three times trying to oppose God, trying to go against God. Now, he doesn't see God. He doesn't realize what's happening. The donkey who's supposed to be a dumb animal, sees more than what Balaam sees and tries to protect himself and really protect Balaam from what might happen. But until Balaam's eyes are opened, he doesn't realize that he is opposing God. And God says in verse 32 that he would be willing to destroy Balaam if it weren't for what the donkey had done. It says, the angel of the Lord asked him, why have you beaten your donkey these three times? I've come here to oppose you because your path is a reckless one before me. The donkey saw me and turned away from me these three times. If it had not turned away, I would certainly have killed you by now, but I would have spared it. So we see the example here of someone who, who went against God and three times went against God. And what was the result going to be if he'd continued to oppose God? Death. God was going to destroy him. If it wasn't for the donkey and the fact that his eyes were opened, he was going to be destroyed. Another example that I found, and there's lots of examples of people going against God, rebelling against God, is um, in Exodus 32, uh, when Moses is up on the mountain and uh, the people of God decide that they need something to worship. So they ask Aaron, you know, they, we, want, we want to worship something. We, we, we need something to worship. And so Aaron says, okay, give me your gold and, you know, I'll, I'll make a calf, and you can worship this calf. I mean, it sounds so idiotic, but that's what people do, right? They, they rebel against God. They go against everything, everything that they've learned, everything that they've been taught, everything that Moses had shown them, everything that they'd witnessed when they came out of uh, Egypt. So in verse 9, the Lord speaks to Moses, and he, you know, he talks about what's going on. And he says, I have seen these people, the Lord said to Moses, and they are a stiff-necked people. Now leave me alone so that my anger may burn against them and that I may destroy them. Then I will make you into a great nation. 
So in both of these passages, both of these examples, we see that when we labor in vain against the will of God, that that leads to punishment or destruction. And it's even more clearly expressed in the New Testament in Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Sin is the perfect example of humanity laboring against God. Amen? When we're sinning, we're going against God every time. You know, however small or great that sin may be in your eyes, we're going against the Word of God, and therefore we're going against God. Uh, I don't think Mr. Pot has anything to say about this, about this lab, type of laboring, so I'm just going to leave him over there, and I'm going to turn to the third type of vein, laboring in vain, and this one is... And again, this is a stretch. I know it's poor grammar. It's all of those things, but I have to. I want to use alliteration. So this is laboring in vanity, right? Or vanity, right? Laboring in. So I'm going to say vanity because then it, you get the message. You know, you'll you'll always be like, oh yeah, vain, 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 vain. But laboring in vanity. So uh, another word for this, which probably makes more sense, is pride, right? When we are laboring in vanity. When we are laboring in vanity, we're laboring in pride. And I'm going to look at a passage in the Bible that shows a, a, a great example of a king who was filled with pride. So if you turn to Daniel chapter 4, Daniel chapter 4 and verses 28 through 33. Uh, but before we read those verses, uh, again, those of you who are familiar with this story, uh, King Nebuchadnezzar had a dream. And he didn't understand the dream. So Daniel came and explained the dream to him. And the dream was describing what was going to happen to King Nebuchadnezzar. So we now pick it up in verse, uh, end, of, uh, chapter, end of chapter 4, verse 28. It says, all this happened to King Nebuchadnezzar. Twelve months later, as the king was walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon, he said, is not this the great Babylon I have built as the royal residence by my mighty power and for the glory of my majesty? Even as the words were on his lips, a voice came from heaven. This is what is decreed for you, King Nebuchadnezzar. Your royal authority has been taken away from you. You will be driven away from your people and will live with the wild animals. You will eat grass like the ox. Seven times will pass by for you until you acknowledge that the Most High is sovereign over all kingdoms on earth and gives them to anyone He wishes. Verse 33 says, Immediately what had been said about Nebuchadnezzar was fulfilled. He was driven away from people and ate grass like the ox. His body was drenched with the dew of heaven until his hair grew like the feathers of an eagle and his nails like the claws of a bird. And the irony about this passage is that God had already warned the king what was going to happen. You know, it's not like he didn't know, he hadn't been told if he became prideful, if he put himself, lifted himself up and gave himself credit for this kingdom, that this wasn't going to happen. Daniel had told him exactly what was going to happen, and yet he still succumbed to the labor of vanity or pride. Amen? It's a warning to us, you know. God speaks to us in many different ways, and He warns us, and He shows us what can happen. 
And yet somehow we, you know, in our foolishness, in our pride, we still go ahead and do the things that He's told us not to do, and therefore we suffer the consequences of it. Amen? But what is beautiful about this story is that at the end of the seven years, He humbled Himself. And what happened when He humbled Himself? God restored Him. Let's read verses 34 to 37 now. At the end of that time, I, Nebuchadnezzar, raised my eyes toward heaven, and my sanity was restored. Then I praised the Most High. I honored and glorified Him who lives forever. His dominion is an eternal dominion. His kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the peoples of the earth are regarded as nothing. He does as He pleases with the powers of heaven and the peoples of the earth. No one can hold back His hand or say to Him, What have you done? At the same time that my sanity was restored, my honor and, my, and splendor were returned to me for the glory of my kingdom. My advisors and nobles sought me out, and I was restored to my throne and became even greater than before. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and exalt and glorify the King of heaven because everything he does is right and all his ways are just. And those who walk in pride, he is able to humble. So the blessing that we see here is even although he sinned in his pride and he labored in vain, God was able to restore him when he humbled himself. But this next one we're going to see, uh, I'm going to look at another passage where another king also became vain, and we see what happened to him. The, the story is of uh, King Uzziah in the book of Chronicles. Uh, I'm not going to read the whole passage, but uh, King Uzziah became a great king. He became a powerful king, and he decided that he was going to go into the temple and he was going to burn incense to the Lord, even although the priests warned him, you know, you can't do this. You may be a great king, but that's not your role. That's not how it works. Only the priests are allowed to do this. But he's, you know, in his pride, in his arrogance, he said, I'm going to do it anyway. So he went in and he burned incense to the Lord. And as he was doing it, leprosy broke out on his forehead. He was being punished for what was happening. And in verse 20, the priests, they looked at him and they saw the leprosy and they all hurried out. And indeed, the king himself was eager to leave because the Lord had afflicted him. So this pride that he had, this belief that he could go into the, into the temple and he could, he could, you know, do what he, what he felt, you know, he had the, the honor and the power to do and it was only supposed to be for the priests and God punished him by bringing leprosy on him. Now, the sad thing about this story is unlike with King Nebuchadnezzar, when he was restored because he humbled himself, there is no restoration with this king. It says in verse 21 that King Uzziah had leprosy until the day he died. So it appears as though he never humbled himself. He never asked for God to forgive him for the mistake that he'd made. We have to be so careful if we do become prideful and we allow pride to get in the way and to control us in some way that we don't allow it to completely control us and take over our lives that we need to be able to humble ourselves in order for God to restore us. I mean, we're all going to go through situations where we feel prideful. We're gonna, something is going to go well in, in our lives. You know, maybe it's at work or in school, wherever it might be. And, you know, we're going to make the mistake of going, well, look what I did. How am I awesome? You know, I just got an, an A in, in my math because, because I'm genius, you know. And, yes, you may have worked hard to get that A, and that's a good thing, and you need to work hard. But you need to give God the glory in that situation because God is the one that is working through you. Even if you're the one that did all the studying and you put in all the work, 
God gave you that ability to study, right? I mean, if you're doing well in your job and you get a promotion and you just go, look at that. I rock. You know, I just got a promotion. I'm making more money. I am amazing. Well, no, you're not because God is the one that's amazing. God is the one that blessed you with the ability to do well in work and the ability to, 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 to exceed expectations so that your boss gave you that raise and that promotion. So, let's not lose sight of, of, of what God can do in, a, in and through us and not let us fall into that temptation of being vain. Amen? So, we've looked at three areas of laboring in vain that really have a negative effect on our Christian walk. Laboring in vain, I don't even have all my cards anymore. So, the first one, V-A-I-N, brings failure, right? The, the, the house that collapsed on the sand. Laboring in vain, V-A-N-E, brings destruction. When we labor against God, when we battle against Him, laboring in vanity brings separation, right? I mean, God, you know, God separated Himself from those two kings. He sent the one guy out to pasture for seven years. He sent the other guy to, you know, to, to suffer with leprosy for the rest of his life. He cut himself off, basically, or they cut themselves off, really. So, those are, those are negatives of laboring in vain. But the last one we're going to look at is the type that draws us closer to God, and that is laboring in vain. Now, what do I mean by this? When we labor in God's will under the precious blood of His Son, Jesus, right? When we humble ourselves, when we seek God, when we allow Him to work in us and through us, and He restores us, and we're able to labor under His blessing, under His guidance, under His tutelage, that's when we get the blessing. Amen? So, how many people here know anything about biology? Anybody? I just want to say that Shamar encouraged me to ask questions while I was… So, I got, you know, he gave me some advice, and I like that, but I'm letting him see why it's difficult to ask questions because nobody answers. So, how many of you at some point in your lives learned something about biology? Okay, I see a few hands. Can anyone tell me what direction the blood flows in our veins? Anybody tell me? Huh? Upward? Specifically with relation to the heart, which direction does it flow? Oh, see? Come on. This is biology 101. I had to look it up, I have to admit. You know, it works either way, but I had to look it up to find out. The blood in our veins flows towards our heart, right? We have arteries that take it away from our heart, but our veins carry the blood toward the heart. Now, everyone now knows, right? If you learn nothing else from me this morning, you learn the direction of our blood when it flows in our veins. So, in the same way, when we labor in vain, we're moving toward the heart of God, washed clean from sin by His blood, right? So, you picture bl the blood in our veins heading towards your heart. It's the same thing. When we labor in vain, I mean, this is, you know, this is imagery, right? This is what they call imagery. So, you can picture yourself as you're laboring in vain, you're laboring toward the heart of God. Now, it's important to note that it's still labor, right? It's still work. Turn to the 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 58. 1 Corinthians 15 and 58. I have the advantage. I have all my Scriptures written out here because I don't want to be like fumbling and looking. So, I know I have to give people time 
to look them up. Uh, and I apologize, I didn't really give a good reference to where the last scripture was, but this one is 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 58. And it says, you know, it's interesting, as more, more people get Bible apps on their phones, preachers don't know when you found the verse or not, right? Because you're just silently you're doing a search. At least when, you're, when you people have Bible, you hear the pages are turned, so you keep talking, you're waiting, you're waiting, and then no more pages are turning, you're like, all right, everyone's got it. So thank you for everyone that still has a real paper Bible with pages that turn. Amen. Amen. So, 1 Corinthians 15, 58 says, Therefore, my brothers and sisters, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. It's in vain, but not in vain. Right? Get it? In vain? Okay. Um, Notice it doesn't say you're relaxing in the Lord, right? The Word says you're laboring the Lord. It's not about just sitting back and taking it easy. We have to work hard to serve God. We have to work hard to do His will. But the rewards are immeasurable and innumerable. Salvation, peace, and joy, to name but a few. Amen? When we work in the Lord, we are rewarded for those efforts. Amen? So, when we labor in the Lord, we also have to allow Him to work in us. It's not just about us doing what we want to do. I mean, read the Scriptures, do what it says. He's going to work in us as well, right? He's going to change us. He's going to mold us. And He's going to use us then for His glory. So we're going to go back to Mr. Clay Pot, who's still just a sulky blob of dough or clay or whatever that is, and we're going to see how he's feeling. Amen? to say about laboring. Hold on a minute. What do you think you're doing? That hurts. Ouch. Wait, what are you poking me for? Stop it. Wait, wait a minute. Actually, that feels pretty good. I No, I think I'm looking. I think I'm, I think I'm changing. I feel like I'm maybe even like turning into a bit of a pot. Wouldn't that be funny? I. Oh, go ahead. Keep 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 doing what you're doing. Now I'll just I'll just sit back and relax. There we have it. A perfect pot, right? I mean, look at that. I'll be I'll be auctioning this off later because I know everyone wants them. It's got it's got a hole in it, but that's okay. You know, if you don't want water in it, it'll drain out. So it's 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 a multi-purpose pot. So, here we have a pot, and it's been molded into shape. And you heard Mr. Clay Pot saying, you know, it hurt a little bit, right? As, as, as I was molding and shaping him, is he finished? No. Okay, so there's still another step that this pot has to go through in order to be finished. Amen? And that is he has to go into a, an oven, and he has to get baked. So, I... I, I installed an oven here under the pulpit. I'm going to just put them in the oven. So that, you know, he can be baked. Um, and then we're going to look at, a, while he's baking, because it takes time, right? We're going to look at a passage 
in the Bible that describes what it's like to go through fiery trials. And again, I'm, I'm choosing passages that I know that most people are very familiar with because uh, I think that's important that, that we fully understand what we're saying here. So turn to the book of Daniel chapter 3. And in this passage, we read the story of the three Hebrew men that went through the fiery furnace, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? Everyone is familiar with this passage. Um, we pastors preached on it many times. Um, and I want to sort of use this passage to show what it's like when we go through fiery trials and, you know, what the, what the purpose of that is. So in this passage, in this chapter, uh, the, the king, uh, did, you know, a decree is sent out that, you know, that you're going to have to worship the king. And you get these three Hebrew men that say, we're not going to do that. And the, and the king likes them. You know, he doesn't, he doesn't want to punish them, but it becomes clear that they're not going to do what he tells them to do. So that he tells them, you know, I'm going to throw you into this fiery furnace. And in verse 16, uh, they respond to the king uh, with, with, with their defense, so to speak. They say, in verse 16, it says, this is again Daniel chapter 3, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it and He will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if He does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. You know, I got a couple of things that, that stood out to me as I was preparing this and reading this passage, but something else just kind of jumped out at me, that they continue to call Him your majesty. I mean, it's an interesting thing that here's a man who is telling them to do something that goes against everything that they believe, but they still show him the respect that he deserves. And maybe that's something that we should consider, you know, when we're facing people that are trying to lead us in a wrong direction, that even if we don't agree with what they're saying, we still need to respect them. Amen? So as I was reading this earlier, and that, that was, as Pastor Lawrence would say, that was free, uh, there were a couple of things that stood out to me. The first is that they were humble. And we talked about that being fo before, about being humble that they never made any claims about their own abilities or strengths, right? They didn't say that they were going to do anything. They said that the God they serve is able to deliver us, and He will deliver us. He will. They didn't say that they were going to be able to do anything themselves, but they knew it was still going to be difficult. They knew that it was still going to require labor, right? They were still going to have to labor in vain, V-E-I-N. They were still going to have to submit to, to God and see what he was going to do, right? They, and, you know, we have the advantage of knowing the end of the story, right? We've read the story. We know what happens. These three Hebrew men did not know what God was going to do. They knew he was going to do something because he loved them and he cared about them and he had a plan for them. But, you know, when you look around the world today and you see people that are being martyred for Christ, these three Hebrew men didn't know if they were going to die in the furnace. They were willing to, right? They said in verse 18 that even if He does not deliver us, we want you to know, Your Majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. So when we read that, we maybe even gloss over, well, they, he, they did get delivered, we know that. So, so what? No big deal. You know, they were just saying that. No, they didn't know. 
They didn't know what God was going to do, but they trusted in Him. They labored in Him. They put their trust in Him, and they were willing to do whatever was, you know, whatever happened, they were willing to go with it because they knew that they were laboring in the Lord. Amen? The second thing that I thought about when I was reading this passage is that after going through this trial and being rescued, right? They went into the fiery furnace, and then the king looks in, and he sees a fourth person in there with the three of them, and, you know, he realized, you know, he said, and it looks like a god, and he brings them back out of the furnace, and he calls them, and they come back out, and nothing is burned. Their clothes aren't burned. Their hair isn't, not, not, a, not, a, not a part of them is harmed, right? Imagine how much stronger the faith is of these three men after going through what they went through, right? You know, they've just been thrown into a fiery furnace that literally killed guards that were standing outside of the fiery furnace. It was so hot. And they didn't know what was going to happen when they got thrown in there. So when they come out being saved from death, I mean, absolutely certain death, how much more willing are they now to go ahead and do the next thing that the Lord challenges them to do, to make, take another stand for God, right? So when we, when we are willing to be, to be molded and shaped and we're willing to go through these things, and then when we're willing to be put into a fiery furnace, whatever that furnace is in our lives, and we're willing to put our trust in God that He's going he's gonna to do something good in us, He's going to, whatever it is, we don't always know, right? We, we don't know the future. We have no idea what the plans are for, that God has for us. But when we do that, and He uses us for His glory, and He strengthens us, then we're able to go through the next fiery trial and the next fiery trial until God comes. Amen? So, you know, we, we've seen four examples here of laboring. Laboring in, in vain, 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 and vain, right? And three of those are not good labors in vain. Those are things that, that draw, take us away from God. They can destroy us. They can lead us to destruction. They can separate us. They can, you know, if we're full of pride, whatever those things are. And then the last one, when we labor in vain in God, when we seek Him, when we ask Him to wash us in His precious blood, when we ask Him to change us, and again, we're still working, we're still trying, we're still doing, but we're doing it the way He wants us to do it. He's going to change us. He's going to mold us. He's going to shape us. He's going to use us for His glory, and He's going to get all the glory. Amen? You know, we're going to make sure that whatever happens, whatever God does in our lives, however He uses us, that we tell people it's to God be the glory. Amen? God be the glory. So, one more time, we're just going to check, and it's, it's looking pretty good. Looking pretty good here. Oh, look at that. Amen? God is good. God is good. He takes, a he takes a blob of clay dough, and He molds it into this beautiful, whatever it is, with a duck. I mean, even look, you know, Roger, you see that back in? You see the duck? I mean, you know, this is, this is impressive. You know, this is what God can do with us. He can take, you know, a, a, a life that is damaged, a life that is, that is full of hurts, a life that is full of pains, and He can turn us around, and He can mold us, and He can shape us into something beautiful that can be used. I mean, this is a, this is a useful picture, right? It can, you can fill it up with water. You know, God can do that to us too. He can take us. He can shape us. He can fill us. He can use us so that we can go and, and we can share the love of Christ with others. In my Sunday school this morning, we talked about the fact that, you know, the purpose of this church is to go and share the gospel with other people, right? But the only way we can do that is if He fills us with His Spirit 
if we allow His, His words to just come and sink into our hearts so that we're strengthened and we're changed and we're, we're made into something beautiful, not necessarily you know, beautiful on the outside because that's not important. It's what we are on the inside, right, that God uses. And then He, ta- he sends us out into the world and He says, you know, now you go, you go and share that gospel. You share what I filled you with so that, so that my glory can be lifted up, so that my kingdom can be strengthened and expanded and all of those things. So, you know, I just... I hope that you've been encouraged this morning and challenged that no matter what you've gone through, no matter what you look like, no matter, you know, what kind of messy blob of clay you might be, God can take you and He can mold you. All you have to do is seek Him. All you have to do is labor in Him. All you have to do is commit to giving your heart to Him fully, and He will take you and He'll shape you and He'll mold you, and then He'll, he'll refine you right? He'll strengthen you. And again, we're never perfect, right? I mean, I'm not going to do it because this is not mine to break. But if I threw this against something, it would shatter, right? So we're still just vessels, right? We're still just, we're earthen vessels, as the Bible says. You know, we're still, we're, we, we should never start going, well, look at me. I'm beautiful. I'm perfect. I'm so strong. I can do anything. No, we still need God every day. Even once He's shaped us and molded us, we still need His strength every day to keep us, to hold us together so that we're, you know, we're always relying on Him. That pride should never come back in again. You know, he had no reason, Mr. Clay Pot, had no reason to be prideful when he was a blob of clay. But now maybe, you know, he, now maybe there's risk that he becomes prideful like King Uzziah, right? Now he's a great king. Don't, don't allow that to happen. Remember, we're still earthen vessels. We're still, we're still weak. We're still human. We need God every day to strengthen us, right? That's why we seek Him. That's why we pray. That's why we, that's why we come to church, so we can be strengthened and we can, we can draw closer to Him. Amen? Amen. Let's just pray. Amen? Lord, we thank You, Lord Jesus. We thank You for this Word, Lord God, that where You have encouraged us, Lord Jesus, where You have strengthened us, Lord God, where You have shown us, Lord God, what You were able to do. I pray, Lord Jesus, that every day, every day we would seek You, Every day we would ask, Lord God, for guidance, Lord Jesus. Every day we would ask, Lord God, for you to come and fill us anew and afresh, Lord God. When we worship at the beginning of the service, we're asking you to come and fill us with your Holy Spirit because we've, we've gone through a week where we have been battered and bruised and we've been tested and we've gone through trials, Lord God. And we're not, we're not the one we, like we were when we left last Sunday. We've become weak again. We've become empty. We need to be refueled. And you come and you refuel us and you strengthen us. And we thank you for that, Lord God. And now, Lord Jesus, we pray that when we leave this place, we would go out into the world with confidence, not confidence in ourselves, Lord God, not confidence in our own abilities, Lord God, but confident in the fact that you are in us, Lord Jesus, that you are dwelling inside of us, Lord God, that you are going to use us for your glory, that you are going to use us for your kingdom's growth, Lord Jesus. Help us to yield ourselves to you each and every day, Lord God, to trust in you, Lord Jesus, to trust in you and in you alone, Lord God. We give you glory, Lord God. We give you honor, Lord Jesus. We praise your holy name. In Jesus' name we praise you. Amen and amen. 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 Thank you, everyone, for being here this morning. I pray that you were encouraged. I pray that you were strengthened. I pray that you're going to hit those doors and you're just going to go out there and you're going to let people know who you are in Christ. Amen?